The Permian Basin is an abundant oil and gas producing area. Already one of the world's leading oil producing regions, the area in West Texas and Southeastern New Mexico could nearly double crude oil production by the year 2023. But who are the leaders behind this economic powerhouse? And what is their story? This is Permian Perspective. I'm your host, Krista Escamilla. Today's show is sponsored by Baker Hughes, who recently launched a new and reimagined Baker Hughes brand. As an energy technology company, they strive to make energy safer, cleaner, and more efficient for people and the planet. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Permian Perspective. It is such a pleasure to spend this time with you as always, and we thank you for choosing our podcast for your listening pleasure wherever you're at today. We want to welcome our special guests today who are in West Texas with me, Ryan Logston, the Director of Sales and Business Development for Ondaka, and John Joseph, the founder and CEO of Ondaka. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you all. You're very welcome. Can't wait to hear your story and let everyone know how you're changing the oil and gas industry. So we're going to jump right into that in just a moment. But first, I want to thank everyone who has left us a review. I cannot thank you enough for doing so. We've received the nicest, kindest words on iTunes, and I didn't even have to pay them for it. They just did it. It was so nice. So thank you. And if you would like to leave a five-star review, I would really appreciate it. And we'd also like to thank Apple for choosing Permian Perspective to be on their new and noteworthy list. So let's jump right into this. Welcome to our podcast. We have Ryan and John sitting with us today. Tell us a little bit about Ondaka and what your company does. Sure. So what we do is really we let anyone, operators, equipment manufacturers, assemblers, see their sites, their facilities, their equipment without actually having to go to the site or to the facility or to the equipment. We start by capturing high fidelity 3D models of the existing equipment. It could be brownfield, it could be greenfield, doesn't really matter to us, and creating an augmented reality version of that. And so our general thesis is that you have to be able to see something to understand it. You know, seeing is understanding. Once you can actually see the real equipment, then you know what's going on. You can understand the pipe configuration, you can understand how things are laid out, and it lets you make better, more informed decisions. And also has a side effect of letting you not have to go out to site as often. You know, you can stay in Houston or Dallas or you know wherever you live bit more often. And I really wish right now everybody could see, I wish this was television, but it's all audio. So we have to explain it to them. Similar to virtual reality is how I explained it, but I'm sure you have a better technical term for it. So what we showed you earlier is augmented reality. So it's very similar to virtual reality. And in fact, if you wanted to see them in virtual reality, that's also very possible. It's not that far off. But imagine taking your equipment, your separators, your VRU, whatever the equipment is, and seeing that wherever you are, shrinking it down and putting it on your desktop and looking at the actual equipment, mm-hmm. not a CAD render of it, not an artist rendition of it, but the actual equipment down to the rust patterns, the grime that's on it, the real thing. That's what we're talking about. It really is interesting when you see it. And I have to ask you, what is your oil and gas background? I know, Ryan, you've been in oil and gas for years. Been, yeah, 15. So tell us a little bit about how you see this really benefiting the oil and gas companies here in the Permian. So when I was first introduced to Undaka as a consultant, I've been in operations pretty much my whole life. And being able to manage my people and optimize my service, I could see this being a huge platform where you were actually bringing the piece of equipment into the shop, boardroom, whatever, and discussing what the tasks are going to be for that day. Or is my right side the same 
is your right side. Right. You know, I get a lot you for guys that are out in the service industry, they get a lot of questions and you have your qualified guy that you want to keep at home or, you know, in the office, not running out three hours, four hours to go to the field to show somebody a small widget or piece or bolt or a procedure on how to do something for right. some of their more untechnical people. Right. And I think how you explained it to me off podcast yeah. <laughs> was say you have 50 valves that need to be replaced. Yep. You can actually look and go, oh, wait, we thought there was 50. There's 32. So now we know we need to bring in 32 valves that need to be replaced. So your accuracy and your timeliness is going to improve and you're not going to waste the time of going out there, seeing it, then going and purchasing the valves and then getting them replaced. So really you're cutting about a month's time off. Yeah. So we start with building these 3D models and that lets you see what's out there and you can save the time of understanding what's there without traveling back and forth. Mm -hmm. That's great for things like site reconfigurations, equipment installation, that, that sort of thing. Then we let you do stuff with that model because, you know, seeing it is great, but what can you really do day over day? So then we let you do things like you can measure things, you can add other data to it. So you could say, label a particular, you know, that this is a Kimray valve mm -hmm. and I can add the operating manual for that Kimray valve or I can add the CAD drawing or I can add the maintenance schedule behind that. So other people can access that. Other people that you want to have access to that can access mm -hmm. that. You can also, we call it markup. So you can essentially sketch you know, arrows or boxes or circles and highlight images on this 3D model, this reality capture of the site and send that picture to someone to communicate what it is you want to do. The fourth thing that we have today is we call it procedures. So you can define an operating procedure and imagine, you know, it's a four-step procedure. Step one is go to this particular component, this valve. Well, you rotate the model, you zoom into that particular valve and you show people this is the three sub-steps on step one that you have to do, and they have to check off those steps. And then step two is to go to the control panel, and they have to do some things like control panel. You rotate the model, and you show them where that is and with the checklist. That's super useful today. It takes away any confusion, any communication issues, any language barrier issues. Mm -hmm. We think that's actually pretty useful. But all of that is what we do today. That's, mm -hmm. So that's what we do. Right. What we're doing is we're taking that information, that data that's being put into the system, all that label data, when you tell me that that's a Kimray valve, we're taking that data and we're training essentially an artificial intelligence to recognize those things. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going to power of that feature that I mentioned. Right. So when you tell me that that's a Kimray valve, our system will learn what a Kimray valve is. And then when we release that feature in, you know, in the next six to 12 months, you'll be able to look at a as-built, say, show me all the Kimray valves, and it will just find all the Kimray valves. Nice. And every time someone adds a new label of a new thing, you'll be able to find that new thing everywhere, which means you don't have to go have a person go tag all the individual components. Right. So it really does, it saves time, it saves money and safety because that is a key component to your business is you're keeping people safe. Let's talk about the competitive edge. So how does your technology help customers maintain a competitive edge? I think having that understanding of their site, so there's the cost side of it, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's really about being efficient. And it's about being efficient, not in terms of reducing their workforce, Mm -hmm. but in terms of putting the people in the right places, not wasting time. I think anybody that can do that well can actually just be more productive overall. And we really help facilitate that. I mean, we have one customer, they're a mid-sized independent. They told us that by using our platform today, they've reduced trips to sites by facilities engineering by 30%. Wow. Yeah, because they just don't have to go out there to figure out what's there before they do the actual work. Right. Ultimately, we want to bring the oil field to the office, not the office to the oil field. 
Right. And I like how you also said, say you have a huge meeting Uh of 500 people, and instead of bringing those 500 people out to the field, you are actually bringing the field to the people. Right. And that is a great, I think, way to, you know, to visualize it. Because, you know, you think, you know, one or two people are going to go visit the site, right? No big deal. But 500, you can get 500 people there like that. Bid, bid walks could be done virtually. Right. That's amazing. Let's talk a little bit about the Permian, because you're here in the Permian. And how do you see the Permian? I know you're in some other shales as well, different than the others. Well, in case you can't tell, I'm oh. not historically <laughs> an oil and gas person. And I freely admit You're that. You're a software guy. I'm, I'll even call myself just a general technology guy. Technology guy. Um, so for me, it's really been a great learning experience. And when I first came to oil and gas in general, and Permian in particular, it was really to learn and to really understand. You know, I know I can do one or two things that you know are kind of cool, and I, I didn't really know if they could be useful. And it was really talking to people who are in the industry, who are living this day in, day out, to understand how this thing that I know I can do could actually be used and could be useful. And that's how every feature we've built has been built. It's based on what customers said, this is how I do my job. This is how my life is. And then I show them what we can do. They say, you can do that. Well, then if you can do that, can you do this? Right. Oh, well, yeah. So it's really the knowledge and expertise and the experience from the guys in the field Mm -hmm. or the guys that were in the field who are now in the boardroom that drives everything that we do. And frankly, without the people in the Permian, we wouldn't exist. Well, we want to say welcome. And you're actually from San Francisco area. Well, you're all over, all over, Origi- but yeah. most recently the San Francisco yeah, I, Bay I, area. I live, technically we're a Silicon Valley company. I am Canadian. I actually grew up in Hamilton, Ontario. Uh-huh. So my dad worked in steel mills growing up. My mom's a nurse and they worked very hard to have me have a white collar job. So I didn't have to you know, get dirty when I worked. And about Three, four years ago, I left my last startup and I started thinking about what I'd been doing for the last 15 or 20 years. And I realized I spent a lot of time working with a lot of companies that were essentially helping people click ads better. Mm -hmm. And that seemed very wasteful. And I thought, well, why can't I help people with all this tech we have available in the world? Why can't we help people like my dad? Right. And that's where the kernel of this idea came from. I love that. So that's how Andaka came to be. I love that. Let's talk a little bit about what you're doing in the next 12 months, because they say technology is changing. Like, oh, it just changed, right? It just changed again. It's changing all the time. And we've really seen that here in the oil and gas business. Where do you think it's going in the future and how can Undaka help people? So I think the missing link is the data, Mm -hmm. right? So the way you consume the data, whether it's your laptop, whether it's an iPad, whether it's a set of glasses like a HoloLens or some other AR glasses, That'll change. That'll always change. Mm-hmm. And the adoption curve of that will depend on the particular company and, and how quickly they want to adopt. And more importantly, it'll depend on the people who actually have to use it and mm-hmm. what they want to use. We actually don't care about that. We, we'll use whatever medium of consumption that people want to use. Mm-hmm. What we want to provide is a tool that's useful for people to get their jobs done better and makes their lives easier, You know, whether it's safer or more efficient for them, which is why we don't just go into the you know, sea level and sell down and try to mandate that this is how you do things because it's a better way to do things. Because if you do that, no one's going to use it. We actually prefer to go in bottoms up Mm -hmm. and like show the guys in the field, like this is what we can do and get their opinion on it and have them champion us up the chain because they want to use this tool. Ryan, what's the number one question that customers ask you when they're considering putting your software or using your software in the oil field? So uh, that's a funny question. (laughs) 
Did you uh, just run across this question yesterday? No, <laughs> it's a, it's a question that we get hit with all the time, and it can go into a thousand different realms. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can cover manufacturing, we can cover asset management, HS&E, facilities, engineering, operations. The platform, what I like about it is it's very diverse, and it's all touch and click. It's point and go. There's no code that you have to learn, no special keystrokes. It's very user-friendly, and I think that's where everything is going. So if I had to, what question does a customer ask? It's more, what can't we do? And, you know, sometimes we have to kind of narrow them down to, let's start here and, right. and expand. What I like to say, let's crawl, then walk, then, walk, then yes. run. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because your imagination can go wild and we can do it. But where do we start? Right. Well, very good. Because I think a lot of people that are, I'll go ahead and say it, I'm not scared, technologically challenged as myself when I see something like that in software. My you know, imagination is like, ah, can I handle this? Can I work this? Will I be able to utilize this? But you can because you showed it, you put it in my hands and then immediately- It's just stepped away. And I, yeah. I yeah. was like, okay, I, I'm on a rig. I mean, how cool is that? You know, you really can. You can really use that technology to benefit your company and to be more efficient and to save lives. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that aspect because I know you said to me that that was really important. If you saved one life, then well, what's the cost of it? Yeah, you know, I mean, can you put a price tag on that? No. Yeah. So you know, one of the things that I see is we can reduce the amount of trips that a guy might not have to take, and if we can do that, and we save we passed by one incident and one fatality, I can't put a price on that. Right. You know, you know, a couple of our previous customers, we've had them run some statistics on how much money they save just going to the field and their travel expenses and things like that. So Right. So there's a lot of new companies that come out to West Texas. I'm sure you know that. And being a fairly, you know, new company within three to five years, and I'm right there with you, we're going on our fifth year anniversary. What would you say is the biggest challenge that you've seen as a business owner, John, maybe that we could all learn from that you've learned this past few years? Generally, this isn't about West Texas, but just generally as a business owner, pay attention to cash flow because mm. that's run out of cash, you're going to be dead in the water. <laughs> that's a good <laughs> point. Learned that almost the hard way, but we're actually doing okay now. Yay. Yeah. So one thing I just wanted to backtrack a second, one sure. thing that Brian touched on was the user experience. We actually pay very close attention to and are very focused on the user experience. Mm-hmm. Making the platform work so easily is actually a really hard thing to do. And we design it so that our users can use it so easily. In fact, I'll put... 10 bucks down right now that anybody could pick up our platform and start using it in five minutes with one minute training. Wow. And that's it. That's pretty impressive because one minute is, you know, it's pretty fast. And I'm saying anyone. I'm saying (laughs) somebody who's been in operations in the field for 30 years who I teach them how to double click a mouse, I can teach that guy how to use it in a minute. Right. I mean, as long as I can teach him how to click a mouse. Right. (laughs) Which you can. Of course. I know you touched a little bit on your dad and his background in the mills. How did you pick oil and gas as your main focus? So I had this idea that I wanted to do something. Mm -hmm. And I had this idea that VR and AR were cool. But in order for companies to make it work, the Oculuses and the Facebooks and the Googles of the world were all doing the same sort of thing. Right. Paying developers to make games. And I was tired of games because I'd worked in games for a number of years. So there were enough games out there. Yeah. And I, and I, and frankly, I was tired of working in that, in that world. Right. I thought a lot about that general space. And then I came up with this idea. What if you could change the nature of the equation? Instead of building expensive games, what if you could make things cheaply like 360 videos? And I had this idea. Well, what if you take a 360 video of 
say, tour of a museum. Mm-hmm. Well, who's going to buy that? Well, some people will buy it, but it's going to be really expensive and you're really going to watch it once. Mm-hmm. But what if you could add data on top of that? If you could add data on top of that, now every school teacher could say, well, that's a tiger and Timmy's project is on the tiger and here's his project. Suddenly, a lot more people could use it. Well, that's interesting. And for about 30 seconds, I got really excited because mm-hmm. teachers could use it and artists and musicians and museums and none of these people have any money. So <laughs> that's a problem. So very pragmatically, I was like... But hey, it could be used for that, it, though. It, it, could, right? it, 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 it definitely could be. But then I, I thought, okay, so let me put a pin in the idea, because the idea seems like there's something there. Mm-hmm. And I literally sat there and thought, well, who has money? Because I'm, you know, I'm not very smart. And I, thought, I doubt that. I, thought, I think you're very smart. <laughs> you don't start a technology company and not be smart. Maybe oil and gas has some little bit of money, and maybe mining has some money, and maybe construction has some money. And I realized there was all these companies that, living in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. most Silicon Valley companies don't work with most of these industries. And that sort of baffled me a little bit. Right. And then I just started talking to folks in, in these industries, and I got the most interest from people in oil and gas. And then I went to my first oil and gas event. It wasn't in Texas. It was actually up in Colorado. And that's when I learned a formative lesson. It was a summer barbecue. Mm-hmm. And a person who was about, I'm gesturing, he's about, I don't know, seven foot tall, <laughs> about 12 feet wide. No, he was, he was a big fellow. He saw me across this patio and it's this barbecue. And he walked directly over to me and he said, so where are you from? Mm-hmm. And I said, I live in California. He said, you know what the problem with California is? And he got a little bit aggressive. (laughs) And I looked up at him and I said, I would love to know what the problem with California is, sir. Uh He said, the problem with California is you got these punks coming out of places like Stanford and they try to come out here and they think they can tell me how to do my job better than I know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, it hasn't changed that much in the last 40 years. And it's not that different than what my granddad was doing it 80 years ago. And I realized in that moment that that is the fundamental problem between most Silicon Valley companies Mm -hmm. and the rest of the real world. It's that there's this arrogance that a lot of companies have that they think they know better. And we fundamentally will never have that problem because I don't know better. I joke that I'm not that smart. It's actually, (laughs) I fundamentally believe that because in this space, in this, when I I come to Midland, I am the dumbest guy in the room about everything oil and gas. And I'm actually proud of that because I shouldn't be the smartest guy in the room about that stuff. I can do a couple of things about a couple of things, Mm -hmm. but you put me on a rig, you put me on a pad, I'm terrified. Still learning, right? (laughs) I'm still learning. What a friend of mine says, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Exactly. Right? And then I have another friend, I'm quoting all my friends now, but this other friend that actually she was just on the podcast, Jamie, and she says, be a learn it all, don't be a know it all. And I love that. I love that quote. And she truly lives by that. And she feels that, you know, you can always be learning. And just like you said, go in there and learn in those rooms. So I love that. Great advice. Um, Since we're getting more personal, what kind of (laughs) books and podcasts do you listen to? I always love to learn what business leaders and people that are immersed here in the basin are reading and listening to. Do you have any favorites? That's a good question. It's actually almost embarrassing because I don't really, (laughs) I neither read nor listen to anything. Um, (laughs) We work. You're working and working and working. No, I get that. Plus your parents, we have, you know, we were talking, we all have kids. So Mm -hmm. if you're not working, you're working on kid things. And if you're not with your kids, you're working. I mean, I have read some different books. I think the last book that I read that was interesting, it was more of a sales technique book. It was called Pitch Anything. Oh, I like it. I think the guy's name was Oren something, him his last name. Pitch Anything. And it was just more about how to have conversation, how to really 
think about how you're having a conversation with someone and how, you know, you walk into a big office or a, a big meeting room and how the entire structure of that office, that meeting room with that powerful person is designed to intimidate you and put them in the powerful position and how you can actually break through that by being in the right mindset. Orin Kloff. Orin Kloff, yeah. There you go. So I read it and it was really interesting. And actually, I, I then tried some of the techniques in mm -hmm. the book and I was terrified when I tried them and they worked. And I was like, oh my God, it was like discovering fire. So... <laughs> Like, I, I can do this. That's <laughs> great. Well, thanks for sharing that. I love that. I love to learn. Every day I feel like I learn so much. And I love to hear what other people are reading. And then I can, you know, when I have the time, listen and, and take a few nuggets and apply it in my business. So thank you. No Anything you want to share? No, ma'am. Well, Ryan's like, I'm good. Let's go to the next question. How about a favorite quote, Ryan? Do you have a favorite quote you live by? Seeing is believing, really. <laughs> That's a good one. That's kind of what we base our motto off of. Mm -hmm. Very good. And John, you have a favorite quote you live by? You know, I was, I was just reading, it's the man in the arena. Oh, I love that quote, Theodore yeah. Roosevelt. Roosevelt, that's love right. Love that quote. And Brene Brown has brought it back yeah. for all of us too, because it's so key. If you're not in the arena, yeah. I don't want your opinion. Yeah, and that's, and, and that's why I feel every day, right? We're, right? We are in the arena and we might fail. Maybe we're too soon. Maybe we're too late. Maybe it's the wrong thing. And I'm okay with all of that. I think we have something that's interesting. I hope we do. I hope people see that. I hope people find it useful. If I'm wrong, that's okay. But at least we're giving it a shot. Give it a try. That's right. You don't know if you don't try. Yeah. Right. Well, I want to let everyone know where they can find you. So let's give your website out and your social medias. So where can everyone find you if they have any questions? Sure. Our website is www.undaka.com. It's O-N-D-A-K-A.com. Mm -hmm. We're also on LinkedIn. I think it's just, if you search for Undaka, you can find it. That's probably the best two ways to get it. My personal email is John, J-O-H-N, at Undaka. And Ryan is Ryan, R-Y-A-N dot L-O-G-S-T-O-N at Undaka.com. Fantastic. And final question, I always ask this, and most people know a little bit more than five minutes if they're going to do the podcast. So yeah. like you, I said, hey, y'all are here. Why don't you do it? <laughs> so when you were coming into this podcast today, is there anything that you were hoping to get out to our listeners that maybe we haven't covered yet? I always like to just ask that at the end to make sure you got everything out there that you want people to know about Ndaka. Yeah, just reach out to us and let us come by and show you. And like I said, CN's believing. So if we can help anybody and do a demo, I'd love to do. You know, I, I forgot to mention the one thing that I'm probably most proud of because we're, you know, we're really just coming up on three years now. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I always forget to talk about, and it's the thing that I'm most proud of, is that last May we were invited to OTC, which for a small company out of California, yes. that was a huge deal. Mm -hmm. And then we were named one of the 10 most promising companies at the show. And for that to happen, and, you know, me being a not oil and gas person, I thought, well, that's pretty cool. We won this award. Right. <laughs> but then the next day that news hit all the trade magazines and articles came out and I was getting the kids ready for school. And Christopher, my seven-year-old was, he was a little bit annoying that morning because I, I think <laughs> I put the wrong t-shirt on him and I was trying to drag him out the door and my cell phone rang and I saw a number that I didn't recognize. And most of the time I never answer those calls. For some reason I decided to enter that day, but I used my angry voice. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a person, I won't say which company, but it was a major, a, a very major, well-known oil and gas service company calling to talk to someone at Undaka because they saw that we won this award. Wow. And I quickly pretended to be my assistant 
and apologize for the chaos in our office this morning. And I would take a message <laughs> and have Mr. Joseph call them back. <laughs> that's great. So, uh, so it, it was that, that's when I realized how big a deal that award was. And, and so that's why I'm, I'm so proud of it. Well, congratulations. I think that is amazing. And that just shows that where the future is going and the future is in technology. And we're so glad that you chose this over video games. <laughs> yes, so much. So, thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. If you would like any more information, as we mentioned before, go to undaca.com. I would definitely like to thank once again, Ryan Logston, the Director of Sales and Business Development, and John Joseph, the founder and CEO of Undaca, for sharing time today and sharing your story. So Thank you so much. I appreciate you. You're very welcome. Time now to announce today's community MVP, and our community MVP is Chevron and Odessa College. OC, as we call it around here, recently received $200,000 donated by Chevron for its instrumentation and automation programs and their Fab Lab. Doesn't that sound like fun? The Fab Lab. Now, the Fab Lab is completely open to the public. Way to go, Chevron, for pouring into the youth of our community. That's what makes you this week's community MVP. Again, a very special thanks to Baker Hughes for sponsoring Permian Perspective. Baker Hughes, as you know, recently launched a new and reimagined Baker Hughes brand. As an energy technology company, they strive to make energy safer, cleaner, and more efficient for people and the planet. That's it. Thank you so much for listening at home or in your car or in your office, wherever you are. This concludes this episode of Permian Perspective, the story behind the oil and gas leaders in the Permian Basin. Remember my mottos, dream big and believe in yourself and never, ever give up. You make it a great day. Hey, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck for February. We do not have any OGGN happy hours in February, but we do have an exciting event coming up in Pittsburgh. This will be our first happy hour there in March, and it will be taking place on March 25th. The location is to be determined, so be sure to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter to keep up with uh, those announcements and to purchase tickets. The Houston API Luncheon will be on February 11th. This will be a networking event with top oil and gas business leaders, and they promise that you'll be learning something really cool. So check it out and sign up for that event. The Wildcatters Ball will be on February 7th in Houston. This ball is the primary oil and natural gas industry fundraising event for the IPAA Educational Foundation. Proceeds go toward funding the foundation's energy education programs. The API Energy Houston Three Gun Chapter will be on March 20th in Houston. This event fills up really quickly, so make sure to get your team entered. The best way to do so is to fax or email the form with at least a captain's name as soon as possible. If you need to wait for a check, just notate that on the bottom of the form and send it on. We will be sending Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister to Scotland, to Aberdeen, Scotland, on March 5th for DokaruCon, which is the first event of its kind. It is a conference for creating high impact sales in energy and mark and patrick will be hosting a panel and recording a live podcast if you're interested in attending this event visit dokarucon.dokaru.com and that is d-o-q-a-r-u-c-o-n that's all for this month thanks for tuning in and be sure to check again next month for more updates on oggn events Tune in next week for another episode of Permian Perspective, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at www.oggn.com.